Happy New Year again, Z. Happy New Year to you too. And so here this we are is back exciting. Well, we were back in the new flexible uh, workspace for the first time in 2023. I know, really uh, exciting to be back in our home. I would, hmm. I would call it our home. It's the place we've done most recordings. Yeah. The single one, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you're listening to the Bromley Buzz podcast with... Uh, Darren Wheel of Intune PR and Zainat Narani of Vida Della Mariposa Coaching. Yeah, and yes, as the new year dawns, um, you can listen to us also on Channel Radio Mondays at 10 a.m., should you wish to do so. And we've got a competition on the go. We do, mm. and it's a beautiful, beautiful hamper. That's right, food and drink hamper from Laura's mm. Larder, the uh, deli uh, and coffee shop, and more in Petswood. So tell us a little bit more about this competition. Right, uh, the competition consists of one hamper, as just described, food and drink of various sorts, uh, up to the value of £100, including the hamper itself, which is rather an attractive item too in a grey. Mm. You can see it on our social media. Uh, and if you submit uh, the answer to the, this, these two questions by the 17th of February, midnight, to... Uh, it's all on the website, probably buzz.uk. Our email, uh, which if I remember correctly, is hello at uh, bromleybuzz.co.uk. If you submit the answer to this question and it's correct and we pick you, you will have won a hamper, uh, which you'll then need to pick up from Laura's Larder subsequently. What, in, what is that question? Do you remember? I remember both questions. Right, right. What, was, what was the question, question for one. anyone listening in and they haven't seen it on social mm. media? What MPs... What Bromley's MPs have we interviewed on the Bromley Buzz? Uh, and uh, I'm going to offer a bit since of Since we insight. started. Since we started. A mm-hmm. uh, bit of a clue here, which Ooh, is... Oh, I don't think you No, no it's fine. <laughs> I'm, not naming, I'm not naming names other than Gareth Bacon, because he was the first one. Um, so so it's now three MPs. <laughs> yes, and that you've just given your oh. part up. <laughs> We're just as bad as each there other. There are four MPs in total, which I was going to mention anyway. Uh, and uh, we've interviewed Gareth plus three, so you need to do your research on our podcast or on the um, uh, how many MPs are there in Bromley. Bromley, or kind of scroll through yeah. our social media. And the other question is, which brand of garlic butter is stocked by Laura's Larder? Mm. Well, I said I would refer to this specifically in a show. Yes. It's not the same as sticking on every single um, channel. I know. But they have two. Can I tell? Yeah. No, I'm not allowed to tell because then the listeners will know the answer. I don't mind them knowing. It's okay. It's all about <laughs> But um, we have a deadline on this, isn't it? So 17th of February, that's a month the away. 17th of February. A month uh, away. And uh, yeah. Two days after my on. birthday. Oh. Yes, happy birthday in advance. No, 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 not, we're not celebrating this year <laughs> at all. Then okay. again, um, there were people saying to me that um, last year we didn't celebrate your birthday because you were ill all the time. And I said, yeah, I seem to fall ill on my birthday mm. all the time. Yeah, but uh, this year is a big no-no. Well, clearly you need more iron of white garlic butter. Or garlic, anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, yes, very exciting. It's our first competition of the Bromley Buzz, and uh, it's a great one to kickstart 2023. Yes, and uh, I've already got ideas for the subsequent competitions as well, which will include tickets to local events. Brilliant. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, and we've got a, um, a lovely guest that I interviewed as well coming up in a minute, which I will tell you all about it in a bit. Indeed. But I think we need to dive into our buzzes. Yeah. So what's been tickling your buzz? 
Um, at the weekend, uh, and this was spotted, and I brought a bunch of local publications, papers, magazines, which we'll come on to when we do news later. But I was going through uh, my office and found an older copy, September issue, of Chislehurst Life magazine. And in there, I found the Hemsley Conservation Centre. Um, and that's down vaguely in the direction of uh, Maidstone. I'll give more details in a moment. But we went at the weekend and saw that little chap there you can see in the picture. He's a tape here. Um, a delightful ocelot who loved posing. Who's uh, not in the picture. There he is. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Joffrey's cats as well, which were there. And these ones, which were something spotted cats. Hang on a minute. Um, rusty spotted cats. It looks like mine. They're very I active. Used to have. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't very active. Mm. <laughs> well, these, the, the, the kittens, so they're kind of grown up kittens now. But yeah. the kittens in there were really, really active uh, and um, uh, mm. a joy to see. And there was an animal there called the tailor. Uh, which I'd never heard of before, mm. but it looked like almost a cross between a monkey and a dog. Oh, it that's had, interesting. It had that sort of attentive canine face mm. almost, uh, and the, the body of quite a large monkey. And I'm definitely going to have to go to there. That looks absolutely the amazing. They, they were doing experiences as well, so I had a young boy there who we coincided with when he was having two experiences. So one of them, he went in the enclosure with the squirrel monkeys mm. that promptly tried to pull the toggle off of his coat and <laughs> uh, do other things because they're cheeky little monkeys, yes. beautiful uh, coloured um, ones, a sort of golden uh, colour. Mm. Uh, also the uh, meerkat experience, I think there's about nine meerkats in that enclosure oh. and he went and sat down on a tree stump and he was offered a towel to sit on because it was a bit damp uh, and he had to sit down really carefully because the meerkats kept run, whizzing under his bottom just as he was sitting. Oh, so they were like really close up. Well, they were so close. So he, gave, he, gave them, he gave them a steel feeding bowl, the boy, mm. when he was sitting down. And all of the lemurs came and basically sat on his lap. There were about five <laughs> of them literally wedged in the bowl. And one of them in particular in private place completely in the bowl. Yeah. Another one was scrumming to get in. And he was there for about half an hour in that. Oh, fantastic. What a great experience. Because I think that's wonderful. Because often when you go to places uh, uh, like this, you don't get the opportunity to be so up close or touch them. Um, because obviously, mm. you know, health and safety, but also for preserving the animals as well, looking after them. But I think that's wonderful. Well, this was yeah. a, a... What's that one here? The monkey one? What are they called again? Because I love them. But I never remember their names. The one with the big googly uh. eyes. Hmm. I'm. Hmm. I think that might have been the capuchin. I think it's a gorgeous black capuchin or something. Um, one of my daughters had a stare off with him because uh, <laughs> he, he was enjoying that. Uh, uh, and every time my daughter tilted her head, so did the monkey. The so that was about ten minutes of occupation going on. Uh, anyway, if anyone wants to see about that and the paid opportunities for um, things like those close-up encounters. Mm. Uh, they can look up uh, www.hemsley, H-E-M-S-L-E-Y, conservationcentre.com, and that's in Percy, Kent, TN157, JL. And uh, there are other animals, including porcupines, including um, uh, baby porcupines, uh, actually, oh, which are still cute. in the pouch that we didn't even get around to. But it's worth going just for the rusty spotted cats, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, well, you know thing. me. I love and my the felines. Lemurs, marvellous. Yeah, brilliant. How about yourself then? What have you been doing? So, um, well, my buzz was actually um, going down to Watch Swan Lake. 
before the bus ah, yes, at the Churchill Theatre, which was on, it just finished actually on Saturday, which is real shame. Lovely. So they had two days of Swan Lake and then they had two days of the Nutcracker. Indeed. Um, so I went to uh, review um, Swan Lake with my brother. Uh, when I asked him to come along, he was like, I don't do men in tights. <laughs> and I was like, you're not doing men in tights. And he goes, mm. I said, there are females in lovely tutus. <laughs> Probably what the temperatures we're having at the moment will be more men in tights than you might think. Yes. But um, it was absolutely beautiful because it's right up my street. It brought back such wonderful memories. Mm. And it just gave me goosebumps because as an ex-dancer and ex-professional figure skater, I have, of course, skated to the, the famous music of Tchaikovsky. Um, and it just, yeah, it was wonderful. Though, what the lead um, ballerine, ballerine, yeah, you do call him a ballerine. Prima ballerine. He um, took a little bit of a wipeout, but mm. got up straight away and was so professional about it. Um, so I think he was going around in a circle and I think his mm. foot just went under him. But um, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth it. But do read about the blog that I wrote on it. Mm -hmm. And that's on our um, website as well and on our social media. The links yes, there. I think you referred to being awestruck by it. I was, yes, mm. absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, when I asked my brother, would he go again? And he said, it was very interesting, different. And yes, he'd go again. And he's never, ever been or seen ballet in his life. Mm. Well, I'm glad that he had the opportunity. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else has been buzzing? Food and drink. Uh, Food and, and drink. Uh, of course. Again, after going to Do the you know what, actually, before house. you carry on, this yeah. reminds me, when you talk about food and drink, we talk it. about food and drink all the time. Yeah. And then um, it was funny because I was listening to Channel Radio 2 with Jules Serkins and Paul Andrews, mm -hmm. and they always talk about food and drink. Well, it's actually Jules, isn't it? Not She's always talking about an food and drink. called Scoff and Quaff as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Your yes, went to the um, Bo Peep pub, which is... A very old pub goes back to about 1590 something or a bit earlier, uh, according to the owner. Uh, and that is down at the bottom there? end of. Uh, With her sheep? No, there, there's definitely sheep, it's part of the emblem. Um, <laughs> but that's down at the bottom end of um, Chelsfield as you get towards around about mm. from Warpington to the M25. Uh, and it's on a road called Well Hill. Uh, but we had a splendid meal there. Uh, the highlight of which was, uh, and all four of us had it, steak and, sorry, steak and ale pudding. Ooh, I should have taken different. a picture, as people do with the food, mm. of this steak pudding mountain mm. that came out when it did. It was splendid. Um, it's one of the great old English dishes, that. Wow, sounds mm. lovely. Steak and ale pudding. Reminds me, I mean, obviously it's not in Bromley, it's in, towards Windsor, but there's a, near the station, Eaton Station, there's a pub there, a wonderful pub. I haven't been there for years now, but went quite often uh, when I first got back to the UK, and they do the most amazing steak and ale pie. Mm. Um, beautiful, and again, like a mountain of soft crust on top, and it's just got loads of the steak in it. It's really moist and um, just, yeah, tender. Okay, now we're Moving feeling on, nice and hungry. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what? I had a bit of an entertainment this week mm -hmm. as well. So I woke up one morning, um, as you do, mm. and I look outside of the window, and outside where I live, there's quite a lot of foxes mm. live there. And there was two foxes there. 
plus one of them had a limp, but they were having a standoff with each other. Yeah. It was very, very entertaining. But then I spotted another fox that was sitting there looking at them. So I think there was two male foxes having a fight over their female fox. Mm. And then one went off and the other one went and sat down next to her. So I thought, that was quite entertaining. Never seen that before. So yeah, two male foxes having an argument over their woman. It's always interesting having insights into what wildlife does. Uh, back at the uh, conservation park, they have some good names for some of their animals. Mm -hmm. I can only remember one off the top of my head, but they, they've got a, um, I think it's a toucan there called Bertie. Oh, I love toucans. Bertie the toucan, uh, who is Wendy, who, uh, hello Wendy, I, I saw you, um, she was serving coffees on the day, she has events as well. Um, but uh, he is her favourite animal uh, on the park. Um, but she says that some days he's really friendly and the other days he ignores her completely. Uh, part of animal character for you. Mm. Uh, and uh, the, the tapir and the capybara in the enclosure, uh, the capybara is a newcomer and has now taken to kicking the tapir out of his bed, even though the tapir <laughs> is actually a lot, much larger animal. Oh, how mm. cute. Well, definitely worth um, going to visit. I'm definitely going to be doing that with my niece and nephew. So, yeah, mm -hmm. thank you for that. Yep. So, um, do you have an affirmation for us today? I do. Good. Are you uh, ready for it? I am. Ready for the staple thing that will keep us going for another week. Here we go. So, opportunities. And I think this is wonderful because it's the start of the mm. year. Opportunities are just waiting to be seized. Don't overthink it. Sometimes your gut is the truest feeling. Mm. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, so that's... Um, and I've been going with my gut a lot more lately. Yes, uh, those are Stephen, the guy from Stephen Bartlett, um, who's on Dragon yep. Uh One of the things that he's talked about is far more um, businesses fail or, or don't succeed because people don't actually do something in the first place mm -hmm. than those that try it and then fail, which is quite an interesting point. So, like you say, don't overthink. Yeah. Oh, I do have another buzz, actually. Oh, go on. I don't know if I mentioned it last time. I went to um, the Skills 3030, did I mention that? You did mention actually, but you can mention it again. I've done yeah. that before. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's just Passive. exciting because a lot has been happening around young people in education. Mm. I had another conversation this week and um, Paul Andrews and I've forgotten the lady's name, that's terrible of me, and this other lady, um, they started the Skills 3030 back in 2015 and I went off to um, <coughs> Tunbridge Wells to uh, be one of the businesses there to talk to A-level students mm. about their ambitions and careers. And it's, you know, it's just wonderful to be part of something like this and give those young people an insight to uh, what businesses are going through, um, how they start their businesses, the successes, the challenges, you know, real life situation. So they kind of understand and know what to expect when they go into the working world and if they choose to go to university or not or apprenticeship or doing you know whatever direction they go to so because that particular yeah. one was in tunbridge i think it was yeah, yeah uh, but it has appeared in bromley before and probably will again yeah because uh, yeah it was harris academy mm. i did the one that was online ha uh, harris academy we did it online I'm during sure the lockdown a, it may have been a physical one in back in anyway yeah but it, it will be back, I expect. It's worth looking it out for. Right, news time. Because we've got quite a bit of news, actually. And one bit is news that's going to be coming out, because we're writing it. 
the County Chronicle magazine, which I have a copy of in front of me here, um, which serves a lot of places to the south of Bromley, mm. uh, Oxted, Dunbridge, um, Sevenoaks and so on, but also uh, has issues coming out in Biggin Hill and I think West Wickham. Uh, we will be writing a Bromley Buzz column for them uh, from the next Fantastic. Yeah, what so great news. It certainly is. I look forward to um, doing the first draft of that. There you go. Oh, yes, I've seen the Chronicles. Yeah, the mm. County Chronicles. Fantastic. And I will take one piece of news out of that one, which uh, is new Bombardier aircraft service facility mm. at Biggin Hill to create over 100 jobs. And that is next to an ad by Biggin Hill Carpets which I mentioned because advertisers help magazines like this going, and it's a good community one, so uh, well done for that uh, advertising Begin Hill Carpets. That's brilliant, because as soon as you said that, I opened mm. up that magazine you just gave to me, and it just talks about that there. Aha. New Bombardier well aircraft. There you go. Mm. Super duper. This is, a, yeah, this is a lovely magazine, got lots in here. And yeah, we're talking about young people as well, mm. so there's a lot going on here. Wonderful. You what can else? keep that copy if you like. That is actually a spare. Oh, thank you. Mm. Um, okay. What else? What in terms of news? Moving on. Uh, actually, your turn. Um, you might like to pick something out of life in Bromley or life in Orpington, January issue. Uh, there was something, and I can't seem to remember where it's gone. Oh, this is what they call filling on these professional Oh, yes. Shows, well, I'll like just mention we it here be. because I'm on oh, that page. That. Well done. Well, uh, um, it's kind of on the section where what's on, but mm -hmm. I'll mention it now. Is that all right? This, this yeah. all news from a new local it's from, news on the community source. notice board, mm -hmm. and it will be in both the Bromley and the Orpington, I think. Yep. Um, Bromley Little Theatre has had Love from a Stranger playing right now. It started on the thirteenth, and there's one today when we're recording mm. this Monday the sixteenth. But you will be able to. There's one more day left, so go and grab your tickets. £14 for non-members, £10 for members, and it's on Saturday, the 21st of January, that's the last day, two performances, 2.30pm and 7.45pm, Agatha Christie. So at romleylittletheatre.org for more details. Ah, good. Something from the Queen of Crime. Uh, I've got the Romley News Shopper here, and I'm reading something out from that. Uh, not the bit which talks TikTok video of a man sitting in water flooded pothole in by looks like a swimming costume <laughs> goes viral. That's actually not in Bromley, although we've got enough here. No, uh, on page two, Orpington uncle to run London Marathon. A man from Orpington is set to run the London Marathon this year after his niece was diagnosed with two brain tumours. Mitchell Miller, 26, has been in inspired to run the London Marathon that will take place on April 23rd to raise funds for brain tumour research uh, after his niece Layla Miller, nine, was diagnosed with two low-grade um, tumours. So I hope that she will recover fully and uh, for anyone that is interested in donating to uh, Mitchell's fundraiser, you can go to justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Mitchell hyphen Miller 96. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so well done him for that. Um, we've got, um, I just wanted to mention in the magazine again, mm. local heroes, because not all heroes wear capes. Mm. Uh, Peter Lee nominated Jill Thomas, a local hero for the contribution she makes as a volunteer fundraising officer. 
Peter said, Jill has been a member of the Bromley Lions Club for about 13 years. She is a tireless volunteer who is currently our fundraising officer, which means she organises and runs most of our events that bring in donations, which we distribute primarily to charities and individuals in the borough of Bromley. Well so, that. well done, amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, there are so many volunteers out there that do incredible work. Mm. Absolutely incredible work. Well, when I was looking at the South London Press, I didn't find anything particularly Bromley-ish this time, but I did find something I enjoyed, and that was, there was quite a bit in there about the Windrush generation, oh, the yeah. uh, uh, immigrants that came over and basically boosted the British economy after the war. Uh, and there is a 50 point, 50 point, 50 pence coin coming out commemorating the Windrush generation. It talks about that and about the story. So that's a nice thing to read in the South London Press this week. Lovely. Um, and let's see, what else have we got? Um, last one, Chelsfield Village Voice, a lovely village magazine. There we go, I've got a copy to show you there. Um, in that, it's got a request for a new leader, or indeed shared leader, shared leader so more than one doing the same job, needed for a toddler group on Tuesdays in term time, 10.30 to 12pm at St Martin's Church in Chelsfield. Uh, and there is actually the services for that church are printed in here as well. Uh, and on a, another part of the same newsletter, I like this bit. The Village Hall is offering free crockery. Crockery, it hasn't been claimed yet. 65 cups crockery and saucers. Crockery or crockery? What is it? Crockery. Crockery yeah. <laughs> It's one of those words, know. isn't it's, it? It's a word I've just discovered I can't say very well. Mm. Um, yes, but if you would happens. like 65 cups and saucers, uh, you can contact CV, um, V for Victor, H Lettings at gmail.com. So there you go. And I've just spotted something here. So mm. let's see if you're up to it. And oh, we no. could um, maybe get people to buzz in and let us know. So mm -hmm. apparently it's your mission this month. Should you choose to accept it? Increase your intake of brightly coloured coloured, coloured fruit and veg to help boost your immune system. A recent German study found that the healthy care workers who consume more fruit and vegetables had 20% fewer colds. Mm. I mean, I eat a lot of fruit and veg anyway. I'm traditionally a very bad person. At fruit well, there you go. There's a good challenge for you. Which I decline. <laughs> Not part of your New Year's resolution then? No. That's my New Year's cop out. Oh dear. <laughs> no, dear. Do you know what? I think we um, should go into our next interview for this week. Oh, by all means. Yes. What do you think? Yep. Yes. As I said earlier on, I had the lovely opportunity to interview Zidane Mir, mm -hmm. who is an upcoming, he's all well, He's already out there. He's uh, from Bromley. He has a whole story to him, actually. Absolutely incredible. He's 21 years old. Currently, at the moment, he is playing in Madrid for Real Vallecano in the, one of the top leagues. And um, he trained and was signed up by Bromley Football Club. And unfortunately, he had an injury, which he'll talk about. And then lockdown happened. And then the rest of it is all in the interview. So I think we should listen to what Zidamia has to say. And here we go. I'd like to welcome Zidamia, British Bangladeshi. And not only that, you are a professional football player from Bromley. Welcome to the Bromley Buzz. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Zina. Do you know what? It's, it's a real pleasure to chat with you because we were chatting um, off 
the podcast and my gosh you've got quite a story haven't you <laughs> yes yes i have so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you and how this all began before we dive into the professional side of football okay um so my name is Zidane Mir. i'm 21 years old british born obviously british Bangladeshi, uh, born guys hospital in london um grew up in grew up in london um Bromley to be specific um went to Holbridge Primary School in Catford and then I went to Farrington's uh, which is literally in Chislehurst I was actually telling your father that I was going to go there as a really? boarding school yes and then wow. I, I begged and prayed not to send me away because I was living in Dubai at the time okay wow well. and um, uh, yeah <laughs> well I, I really liked it I, I mean I was only there for the start of secondary school in year seven mm -hmm. um, before moving out to the states but I really really liked it there um, I mean just the school in general and because it was a boarding school it, you had people from all over the world mm -hmm. um, I remember we had a few people um, from Asia um, I, I think there's a few people there from Middle East um, but it was really good um, because I hadn't been exposed to that yet um, mm -hmm. and then obviously new school secondary school um, the big change as they say um, and it, it was it was a pleasant surprise for me um, and obviously the year after that I moved out to the States, lived in America, um, lived in Ohio for a year because I went on a um, sports and academic scholarship in the Michael Johnson Performance Center. Um, and then from there I moved to um, Texas, Dallas, Texas. Can I just ask you before um, you move on any further, was sports something that you've always been into? No, but funny <laughs> enough, um, when I was five, um, I started, um, well, my dad would take me to the local pitch mm -hmm. and it would be like, oh, I'll have a kick around. And I used to come back crying. Um, <laughs> and I tell that Sounds story like one of those now. American dads who drag their kids down well, the football it, pitch. <laughs> that's what people think, but it was never like that because, I mean, the road we live on, even now, there's um, football pitches at the, at the end of the road um, and they've got like small five side pitches. It's like your typical goals. Um, and we've got one literally at the end of our road. So it was like, go have a kick about maybe that's a hobby because mm. my dad used to play semi-professional um okay. so it was it was more like go have a kick around and see if you like it sort of thing and i used to come back crying i used to say no no i don't like it i don't like it and <laughs> my mom used to my mom used to tell my dad like stop taking him to football because he doesn't like it and then uh, it kind of stopped um when i was five and then something clicked when mm. i was seven uh, i went to david beckham academy um and then after that i started going to um my dad's football matches used to kick the ball on the side uh, with like a couple of the subs um, or, and some of the other players. And I started I started to really enjoy it. Um, but when I was five, and I think I stopped when I was six because I just didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it and say it, it was something specific. Um, but I went, I really, really liked it. Um, and I went for the fun of it. I didn't go at seven years old thinking this is going to be my profession. I went right. So you didn't have that vision. You weren't one of those children like what I'm. You know, when I used to be a teacher, all the children say, "I want to be a famous football player. That's all I want to do." You weren't like that then. <laughs> I, I was to some extent, but not that early on. Okay. Um, I think uh, when I was seven, eight, nine, it was more just playing for the fun of it. It wasn't. Um, oh, if I don't go training, I'm I'm going to be upset, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it was just go have fun, go have a kick around. And then I think when I was um, when I was 10 or 11 um, is when 
um, I thought, you know what, I, I want to be a footballer. This is this is what I want to yeah. do. Okay, lovely. So yeah, moving on. So you went to the states, mm-hmm. and um, you then moved to Texas. Yep. And tell us a little bit about that. You that were there was, on a scholarship, right? Yep. That was an experience in itself. Um, living, first of all, living away from family mm. um, because it was only my um, my mum and my younger sister um, that went with me, and my dad and my older sister stayed um, stayed in England. Um, so it was it was really tough. I think the first year was really hard on all of us because it was that separation mm. um, and living. I mean. Yes, there is FaceTime. Yes, you can call people, but something like when there's a wedding, mm. and um, or something like when there's a family gathering, you're missing it. Um, you do feel it. Um, well, Bromley's a lovely place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to knock Bromley. I do love Bromley. I mean, every time I, it's where I call home. Um, even though I've lived in different places, and I still don't live in Bromley now. Um, it's where it's where I call home, um, and it was it was really tough, um, but. Living in America is a complete um, different ideology in itself. Mm. Um, it's completely different. The lifestyle is completely different. The way we used to train, the way we used to play. I mean, in the summer it gets up to nearly forty degrees. Yeah. So you can see how that's different to where in Bromley it's like pretty much raining and miserable and cold every day. <laughs> um, in the summer it is really nice. I won't, I won't knock that. Um, but it, it was just um, little things that was just so different. I mean, America is so big and open. I remember um, my my school. Um, when we lived in Ohio, it was almost like 20 miles away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you tell that to somebody in England, they're like, what? you used to travel 20 miles. And it's like, well, everything's open. Everything's, open, yeah. it's, on a, it's on a motorway. So 20 miles took maybe half an hour. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe a typical journey to school for kids anyway. Yeah. Um, it's just when you say, oh, it's 20 miles instead of three miles. <laughs> it takes the same amount of time, but it's just in people's head. They it's just, very they vast. Just, yeah, they don't get it. Um, so living in America was, I mean, it was an experience that I'll keep cherish um, for the rest of my life. But um, it was definitely different, and I definitely loved it. Yeah, you were there for about six years, and then you moved back to the UK. That's correct. Yeah, uh, back here in Bromley. Yep, that's where correct. Where you were signed up at Bromley FC. Yep, that's correct. Um, I'm a big fan of Bromley FC. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Um, by the way, have you checked out their new? Yeah, so their their building new, um, and the academy. Their new stand. So when I joined, so I moved back, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I played for Bromley Football Club. And when I was there, that's when they were building that stand. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and I think literally just before COVID, if I remember right, is when they finished the stand. But they did, um, and they they put a new gym and everything inside. The gym wasn't finished yet, but I remember the stand was, mm. and it has the big logo on it. Uh, it looks it looks amazing compared to how it was before. I mean, that club's come on leaps and bounds from where Excellent. it was five ten years ago. Um, so I've got only good things to say about Bromley. I, even now, I mean, I still keep in contact with um, some of the boys, Jack Holland, Alan Dunn, Mark Hammond, even the old manager, um, Smudge. I mean, uh, they all messaged me when um, when, I, when I got injured um, recently. Oh, and it was quite funny. Alan Dunn and Mark Hammond, they sent, me, um, they sent me a little video. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and <laughs> I saw a message. And it was a video of Alan Dunn um, just saying, look, get well soon. Uh, and we hope, you know, your recovery goes well and everything like yeah. that. So, I mean, I've got only great things to say about Bromley. And it's lovely that you had that opportunity to be there because unfortunately, 
uh, you had a bit of an accident during a training session when you were there. Tell That's us a little correct. bit about that. So um, when I was when I joined, um, it was it was more adjusting to life um, mm-hmm. back in England because obviously I'd lived out in the states, lived with my mum and my sisters, and it was more okay. You're not going to be living there no more. You're going to be living in England um, with my dad, um, and it was. It was quite, I mean, obviously I, I grew up in England, um, but I was away for an extended period of yeah, time. Six years is a long time. And then when I came back, it was sort of like, nothing is how I remembered it, because obviously life moves on. Mm. Um, and it was more adjusting to the family life as well. Okay. Um, because when my dad's here, he's, he's always busy. Um, uh, and it was more, when I'm, in, when I'm in America, I always have someone around me. Um, mm. And it's not to say that I was alone here. It was just it was it was a different lifestyle yeah. in itself. Um, and when I joined Bromley Football Club, it was adjusting to all those things, and um, I was slowly, slowly get, getting used to it. And just uh, I think I was due to play my first game. Um, I think it was beginning of September. Um, so they gave me that sort of grace period to adjust and everything. Um, and Literally, I think, so I, I played in a friendly on the weekend, so this was Saturday, um, played great, scored scored a goal, had uh, an assist, uh, if I remember right, and I'm feeling good, mm. I'm sort of adjusted at this point, um, and Monday I go in, they say, look, we've got a game on the weekend, we want you to play, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I feel good now, and on Tuesday, in training, um, I had a really bad tackle um from one of my ex teammates mm-hmm. and I tore my meniscus um yep. and mm-hmm. that was um that was a shock because mm. I, I at that point I'd never had I'd never had an operation never had a, a big injury to the point where um it disabled me because mm. I wasn't able to walk I wasn't able to um be independent um basic things like I, I mean it was my right knee so I couldn't drive yeah meniscus um, are pretty yeah. awful <laughs> and to be fair I was lucky that I didn't do my ACL at the same time yeah. um, because typically uh, a lot of times when you do your meniscus you do the ACL mm. and when you do your ACL you do meniscus um, and it was it was tough because I'd never been through that experience I'd never been um, to where a doctor says you know you need to have an operation mm. um i'd never been immobilized to that degree uh, i mean i've had injuries before of course um but it wasn't um nothing to major extent, it, yeah. I, I mean i've had knee injuries but i could still walk mm. um uh, that sort of thing I, i've had muscle injuries but i'd never when i went in and they said look you're going to be out for um maybe eight months i thought what do you mean? I mean, the longest injury I, I'd had to that point, I think, was six or eight weeks. Yeah. Nothing longer than that. So when you go from two months all the way up to eight months, potentially 12 months, yeah. um, it, it's it's really hard to hear. Um, and it's quite funny. They gave, me, they gave me the option. They said, look, we can stitch your meniscus back together or we can um, cut it out. And, um, you know, when you grow up, you're going to have, like, bone on bone. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay, well, what's the difference in recovery time? Recovery time is six so weeks. you're thinking about the football. I'm thinking about I here and now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the recovery time was uh, six weeks. Mm. I said, just do that. I said, I, I don't care. But when it's 10 years down the line, it's 10 years down the line. That's yeah. not my worry now. 
And it was actually the people around me uh, and my family especially that said, look, don't be stupid mm. because um, you, might, you might be okay now, but you don't want to have to retire when you're 30 years old. I mean, mm. I think it was uh, Jamie Redknapp I saw the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he posted um, on his social media platforms and he said he was having a knee replacement and he had to retire at um, the age of 30 because he had a meniscus injury yeah. and he, he made the decision to take it out. And he said, look, it hampered him for the rest of his career because he was going into the physio at, um, at stupid hours um, and he never really quite felt the same. Um, I mean, touch wood, I've been absolutely fine since mine. Uh, and I'm very, very grateful for the people around me that said, you know what, they, it's going to be a lot longer, but in the long in term, it, in the long term, it worked out a lot better. And to be fair, it, that happened in September um, 2019. And I literally, so I, I had the operation and everything, um, and then I literally came back the week of lockdown. So, oh no! Okay. I, so, so ready to go so back I, at Bromley FC. I was, ba- I was back in training beginning of March, uh, back with the squad and everything, and then um, I think we had a we had a game on Sunday, and on f- that Friday, um, the whole country went into lockdown, mm. and obviously everything got cancelled and. Um, and we all know what happened after that. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Downhill from there on. Exactly. But anyway. <laughs> um, so that was that. And it was it was more the mental barrier of, I know my knee's okay, but you know what? Is it going to be okay in a game? Yeah. Is it going to be, you know what? When somebody has a really rash tackle, is it going to hold up? And it was it's actually um, the, the surgical side. My right knee is actually stronger than my left knee. Um, even though my mind was playing tricks on itself mm. um, to think that it's not strong enough because there, there was no way that they would send me back when it's not. Yeah. Um, and it was more in my head, is it going to be okay? Mm. And, and it's the same now, even with my Achilles. I mean, um, we I, I ruptured my Achilles back in uh, May 2022, yeah. at the end of last season. And... Um, the left Achilles, the surgical side, is actually stronger than the right. Mm. And they said, look, you've got more chance of rupturing your right Achilles than rupturing your left one again. Um, but it's more the, the mental side of it yeah. now. Mental state plays a massive um, part of recuperation as well. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. What did you do in that space? Um, I mean, were you ready to go back to Bromley or did you decide that you wanted to divert in a different direction then? I mean, how did that work? So lockdown, um, we were all given like uh, a workout plan to do. And it was basically, n- nobody had access to a gym. And if you did, you were really lucky. Um, <laughs> and at that point, the uh, gym within the club wasn't made yet. Um, so it was it was really tough. Um, and especially for me, coming back from the injury, a lot of it was go run in the park. Yeah. Um, because that was the only um, base of cardio we could really get um, that would emulate training. And because I'd, I'm coming back off a knee injury, it was... Okay, it, a bit of football around with your dad. Yeah, well, my, my, <laughs> my dad was actually, my dad was actually um, stuck in uh, America. Oh he, my goodness, he went okay. to um, He went to visit, uh, he went to visit my mum uh, and my sisters and um, basically he got stuck there from March all the way until June. Wow, okay. uh, Because there, w- there was no flights, because everything was shut down. Um, and if if there was a flight, I mean, 
from Dallas, you had to fly. It was like it was stu- just, yeah, it was stupid connections. Like you had flight. to go away in Chicago mm. for like three days or yeah. something, and I, there was still no guarantee that that flight would go ahead. Mm. Um, and I think when even when Dad did come back, uh, I went to pick him up from the airport, and it was like. Heathrow was like a ghost town. I mean, yeah. any floor, any parking spot you wanted, you could take because there was nobody there. I mean, we went last week to drop um, my mum and sisters off because they were going back to America. And I mean, we struggled to find parking the other day. Compared that to back then, um, it was literally like minimal, minimal staff. Yeah, um, and it was like, it was like a free for all. You could just go in and. Yeah, just go um, anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> so, you, once lockdown lifted, mm-hmm. what were. What were your plans then? So when lockdown lifted, this was twenty middle of 2020. Yeah. And then it, we went back into lockdown. Mm. Um, I basically, so my contract with Bromley Football Club had ended and because of the whole COVID situation, um, they, they unfortunately had to let a lot of players go. Right. Um, and I think... You, I can't remember how many it was. It was, was, quite, that it was quite during few. the lockdown they let players go up. Go. Exactly, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and I think a lot of players from the league system dropped out anyway mm-hmm. because a lot of players were out of contract and because you couldn't train because you couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, a lot of players were coming down to the non-league side. Um, so football was in a really, really weird place back mm. then. Um, and because I wasn't um, fully recovered from my injury, it, I was, but then... I ne- I'd never, I hadn't played in a game yet, mm. um, so we thought it was it was best just to keep training and get myself fit. Um, and then we actually ended up going out to Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the beginning of um, when we went back into lockdown, beginning of twenty twenty one, February. And I went there because well, a contact we had through America um, was actually Chris Bone, uh, Chris Bowman. Um, he was living out in a, in um, Dubai and he was training elite athletes and he actually had a lot of players there because um, everybody was in lockdown a lot mm. of players were out of contract um, and that was the only place really because because in I think January 2021 um, everything kind of it went into that tier system yeah and Bromley and the surrounding areas we were all in tier four so gyms were closed um, you couldn't really do much it was like full lockdown again mm. um, so it was really tough for me to go and get training somewhere and keep fit and stay on top of everything um, and then we went out there and um, I had a trial with Al Nasser uh, mm. which is the biggest it is yeah the biggest or one of the biggest clubs in the UAE um, it's not the same club as where Ronaldo's gone now. That's, no, no, that's, that's another a, story. That's a oh, slightly, <laughs> that's a slightly different spelling. Because when yeah. I say that to people now, they're like, "Oh, and I say, yeah, you went there." No, 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 no. I, did, I didn't go there. Um, so I had a trial there and um, went really well, and they were looking to sign me. But um, and then um, an agent uh, that was there, he saw me and he took me on trial at Real Vallecano, um, and. The rest is history. Now yeah, I live in Spain. So I play for them. Um, so yeah, all the way in Spain. Well, yep. not all the way. I should say just round the corner. Yeah, just round the corner. So you decided not to take up the offer at Al Nasser in the UAE, but mm-hmm. Spain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so you've been there how long now? I signed in um, July, mm-hmm. August twenty twenty one. So this is my second season with them, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm nursing an injury at the moment. Yeah, um, and that injury happened out there. That it, it <laughs> happened. It was uh, the second to last game of the mm. season, um, and it happened. I think 
he was in the game, and I think it was like 70th or 80th minute of the game, and it was just, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I bet, yeah. Again, out for, uh, for some time, but yeah. on the positive, you are soon to be going back out there again. Absolutely. Very, so, um, ready to go. When, when the injury happened, they told me uh, 9 to 12 months, mm. at least 8 they said, but 9 to 12 at least. Um, that, that's what they were thinking of 9 to 12. And um, it's been six and a half, and I'm, I'm due to start back with the squad next Monday. Um, so I think that's the 23rd um, of January. So looking forward to it. Yeah, um, fantastic. I mean, I wish you all the best. I mean, I love thank you. Spain. I love Madrid. I lived there for seven years, yeah. as I told you earlier on. Um, would you ever come back to Bromley and sign with them again if they offered it? <laughs> well, the thing is, in football, you never say never. You never um, say never, yeah, that's you, ne- true. you never say never. And like I said before, I've, I've got only great things to say about yeah. the club. Um, I mean, uh, obviously, I've played for them. I have history with them. Um, and it, I love the manager, who, Andy Woodman, right now. He's I've absolutely ne- wonderful. I've never met him. Yeah, I've um, met him a few times. And I, I've seen him. good things. Um, so, I w- look, I would never say never. Um, mm. I'm enjoying my football currently where I'm at. Yeah. Um, but... Bromley is home yeah. so I couldn't say yes or no right? <laughs> look um, I'll say maybe maybe always Let, keep the options see. open um, right and I'm that's like, the beauty about being in the position that you are that absolutely. you've got your options open because um, you never know um, in terms of uh, oh it's just literally slipped my head I was going to say what are you most proud of what are you most proud of what am I, oh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been... I've never been asked that, I don't think. Um, what am I most proud of? Well, obviously, I'm grateful for the life experiences that I've had um, living in or growing up in London and Bromley um, and then living out in the States, living in Ohio, then living in Texas and now living in Spain. Um, I'm grateful for everything that I've been through um, in terms of um, the injury, the football journey. Um, I'm grateful for the person that I've, I've become. Um, and I think I'm most proud of signing in Spain. Um, I, w- I would say that because it's, it's a great achievement and to, to be away from family. Mm. Um, when I first heard, or when I had the thought that I was gonna be living alone, I thought that'd be really tough, but I actually enjoy it, yeah. not not in a not in a bad way. Um, <laughs> Get up to all sorts. No, I just, literally the the time constraint that I'm under is it's, it's almost difficult. it's almost yeah. impossible. I mean, um, I get asked all the time uh, by family that come to Madrid, like, what is there to do in Madrid? And I say, look, I don't know, mm. because I know where the airport is, I know where the training ground is, I know where mm. I live, I know where the gym is, and that's it yeah. basically, um, because I don't know, I don't go out, um, and even days that we do have off. You just think, oh, I just want to stay at home. I, I, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go see, and I don't want to walk around and see the city. Um, but I'm. Do you know what? I think for a 21-year-old, you have such resilience and such a great mindset, and you've, you know, you've been for someone who's only had 21 years of living mm-hmm. at the moment. You've, I mean, you've got your whole life ahead of you. You've um, gone through two major injuries. You've. Um, like you said, you've been to different places, like countries, to uh, experience your football, to get where you are, and now you're in Spain, in Madrid, Vallecano. 
professionally playing football for them. I mean, what 21-year-old wouldn't want that? It's almost like a dream come true, really. If you speak to young people, now they're like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. 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 So, and thinking of that, I mean, who is your inspiration? Who uh, inspires you? I've always been a big Ronaldo fan. Okay. Um, and obviously there's a big debate, Messi or Ronaldo, and obviously mm. uh, Messi's recently won the World Cup. Yeah. Um, look, taking nothing away from Messi, um, <laughs> amazing, amazing player, of course. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, but to me, I still admire Ronaldo. Um, he might not be seen as the greatest of all time now because obviously Messi's won the World Cup and he's won mm. um, everything there is to win. But just the work rate and um, how hard he... What he, what he put himself through when he was mm. so young um, and then obviously moving to Manchester playing for Manchester I mean I'm a Manchester United supporter as well um, which is another reason why I love him uh, and just everything that he's done in his career mm. I mean he's gone to different countries and he's won wherever he's gone yeah. um, obviously he's in Saudi Arabia now um, but I think just very he's very inspirational the way he carries himself off mm. the pitch as well Um so there's not that normal stigma or that perception of what a footballer is and he's very different from that. Exactly. I mean, e- e- even even that stigma, I think that's kind of outdated mm. um, because... It should be. <laughs> it, a lot of people think, you know what, oh, you go out, you party, you, you know what, you play football for a living and um, there's all this stereotype around mm. it. But if you think um, of what we actually do day to day and how many people... I mean... It's always said there's always someone waiting to take your shirt. I mean, I've been out since, um, I mean, the whole of this season. Yeah. Someone's been playing in my position. Yeah. Um, and when I go back, it's my job to get that shirt back. Absolutely. Um, mm. So there's always someone waiting behind you, knocking at the door. And if you think how competitive it is, there's you don't want to be going out. And I mean, like I said, I've even been out to see the city. Mm. Um, so you don't want to be going out and um, enjoying city. Of course, you have. Um, your time to where you're away from football but mm. it's always in the back of my mind um, and we're always told almost every day it's not what you do on the pitch it's what you do off the pitch you're, so the, the, the club yeah. tell you look we're training you for two hours you're going to be here for an hour mm. before an hour afterwards okay four hours but you're on that pitch for two hours what are you doing that 22 hours you're off this pitch mm. are you sleeping for six hours are you sleeping for eight hours are you sleeping mm. for ten hours are you eating the right things? Are you doing the right extras? Are you doing too much? Are you not doing enough? And there's a whole multitude of things mm. um, they tell you. And obviously, the club tell you um, what they expect from you and what they need from you. But then, no footballer always sticks to that. It's always, what do you do a- yeah. away from that? What extras do you do? Like, it's not always, oh, I've had a terrible session. You know what? I'm going to go for a 5K run tonight. It's not always that because the next day, you're expected a high high level and if you've gone and done something extra mm. um, and uh, like you've exerted yourself and the next day you're expected to to go and train at the highest level and you're tired that's not gonna you get you get shouted at why didn't you make that run and you can't say oh because you know what I had a bad session yesterday and then I decided to go do a 5k run well that's yeah. not good enough sometimes less is more sometimes you've got to do that 5k sometimes you've got to, and it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's finding that balance taking accountability and ownership exactly. in the balance um, one last thing I want to ask if you had to give some advice to the young football players or if you were going to go down to Bromley Football Club and speak to all the upcoming footballers and about you know because they've obviously got a vision of being the next Ronaldo or the next Messi or you know what would your advice be to them um 
it would be just to enjoy it because a lot of um, a lot of footballers or a lot of young footballers nowadays they think is football is the be all end all, um, and they don't actually enjoy the process. Um, and I mean, people are put under immense pressure these days. It, it, uh, I know I, I met somebody quite recently. I think back in um, back in the summer. He was saying, "Oh, his son is five, and he he doesn't like football, and he's not enjoying mm. football, but he's pushing him to." Take... I was like, "Your son's your son's five. five. Yeah. You know, let him have some fun. Let him uh, enjoy the game. Let him fall in love with the game because you know." And I always say this: um, if I didn't love what I do, I wouldn't do those extras. I wouldn't mm. wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I would. I, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't do those extra runs. I wouldn't do the extra stuff that I do. I wouldn't be playing football if I didn't love mm. what I do. Um, so you've got to, you've got to almost enjoy it and not think of it. You know, I'm going to be a footballer one day. Just enjoy the process. Um, yeah. I mean, I see a lot of footballers now that are nine, ten, eleven, and you know they put themselves under immense pressure mm-hmm. because they think, oh, if I don't make it to football, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. With yeah, because there is that pressure. I mean, when we um, the Bromley Bars interviewed Andy Woodman mm-hmm. about football, and he mentioned very much so that you know that they also look at different aspects of a footballer because they come in, they're all wanting to be the next professional, but there's something like one in 10 or one in 20 that actually make it. Not everybody can make it. It's less than that. I think, it's, is it less than that? I <laughs> yeah. think, I'm not sure the official stat. I think it's like one in 10,000 or something. Yeah, it's just, it was interesting to something hear what he was saying and how he has to work with the, the mindset of the players at the club. Absolutely, because I mean, you get you get players of all talent. So mm-hmm. you can have um, you can have two two players with the exact same ability, but if somebody's mindset is different, that that's going to set mm-hmm. you apart from the other player. I mean, if it, if it is one in ten thousand, think of those ten thousand. They all have to have some ability, and they all have to have decently good ability. It's what is going to separate you, yeah. and that's that twenty-two hours. What do you do off the pitch? And it's all the it's all the one percent. Mm. And then, if you want to go into more details, all the zero point one percent. Yeah, I'm going um, on to all those details. Exactly. So it's always the it's always the little things that you do that add up over time. Brilliant. Do you know what, Zidane? It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I pr- could probably talk to you all <laughs> morning and afternoon. There's so much to you. And mm-hmm. do you know what? As I said earlier on, you've got such great positivity. Your mindset is incredible for what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I wish you all the best in your future. Thank I really you. do. Looking forward to either coming to Madrid, an excuse <laughs> to come to Madrid now and see, yeah. um, and see you playing. So, yes, Thank good you. luck on your future. Thank you. Charming young lad. Yes, I'm glad you got caught up with him. Yeah, great and potential. You, you liked where you caught up with him as well, didn't you? I did, at his father's restaurant, Champagne. Mm. I used to call it Champagne mm. <laughs> all the time. But he's got three um, three restaurants, one in Westerham, one in Welling, mm. which I found out. I didn't know about the one in Welling. And um, the one in Bromley on Chatterton Road. Really, really lovely. Yes, funny enough, when I was looking at, uh, I think, a, ma- a Kent magazine called MMM, I think I saw uh, an advert from Champagne and referring to it having a, won a British Curry Award. I was about to say that, uh, yes, as, he as did. As had the Copper Salon. In yeah. Germany. So we got two British Curry Award winners yeah. in the borough. So it's the Western branch that won the spinning mm. wheel, they call it. Yeah, but you wouldn't think that there would be major inconsistency between the same things. You should yeah. get a good, similar oh, yeah, champagne absolutely. experience across all three. 
But I think it's a bigger restaurant from what I understand and it caters mm. for more people there. Um, and they've got like theme rooms and things. He was telling me all about it. So I'm really excited. I think we oh, need I that go. We need to go also go and check out the espresso martinis. <laughs> yeah, that traditional Indian <laughs> cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like other Indian restaurants when you walk in. Mm. It's very, very different. And they've got this lovely, it's their own branded incense. So the smell that they have there, mm. or the scent, I shouldn't say smell, smell is negative. The scent that they have is really, really divine. Okay. Yeah, you know me, I love my scents and candles. I like the scent of Indian food, to be honest, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, right, spotted on social. Uh, I was looking at the social media, and I spotted a tweet from the Bridge House Theatre, uh, which is at Penge Theatre, and it says, We've still got room for a few more shows this season. If you've got a show, let us know. And email submissions at thebridgehousetheatre.co.uk. Very good theatre in Penge, that. Mm. And, by the way, they're talking okay. about multi-person shows. Uh, they have enough um, single-person shows to be going on with already, apparently. Mm. But uh, do check out the Bridge House Theatre, uh, where we've already interviewed the um, guys that run it. And, indeed, we interviewed Eddie Reeves, MP, there. Oh, yes, no, that's another did. MP given away. Oh, I didn't mean to. Dazzle! Right, maybe never... La, 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 well, la, 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 Two left. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how attentively our listeners are listening. Indeed we will. Um, would you like them to listen to a bit of what's on before we Yes, finish? yes. Let's do, um, there's a couple of bits I've spotted here as well that I want to mention mm -hmm. as well. So 30th of March to the 1st of April, Charlesfield Players, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Hyde, Mr. Hyde, should I mm. say. Then the 16th to the 18th of February, Peter James, Wish You Were Dead, Churchill um, Theatre in Bromley, world premiere. That's the one I want to take my mother to. Mm-hmm. And then 28th of January, we've got the Mayor of Bromley Charity, a uh, Mayor of Bromley's Charity Appeal Whiskey Tasting Evening. Did you, by the way, did you get my message that I said, this yes. is right up your street? Well, I do like whiskey, it's so true. Yeah, it might be something mm. fun to go to. So mm. anyway, uh, the Whiskey Tasting Evening in the Function Rooms, the Old Palace Bromley Civic Centre, Bromley BR1 3UH at 7pm. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a lovely event. And then 27th of January, Black People in the RAF in World War II, a talk at Biggin Hill Memorial Museum. And of course, I already mentioned um, Love, Love from a Stranger, mm -hmm. but also coming up, I'm sorry, I'm skipping dates. No, You've no. got the Children's Holiday Club, so for any parents out there, from the 13th to the 15th of February, it's £20. The Superheroes at St. John's um, Evangelist uh, Church on Park Road. Um also, the SEAA, South of England Cross Country Championships, Saturday 28th of January. The first race is at 11am, so you can have a look at that, take part in that. And if you want more information, competitions at seaa.org.uk. Excellent. Which reminds me, we'll be having a second interview with people from Blackheath and Bromley Harriers Athletics Club who's based in the borough is Norman Park, uh, coming up as well. I need to arrange that. Yeah. Oh, and I want to mention as well, mm -hmm. for our listeners, um, that we've got our Let's Talk campaign coming up mm -hmm. as well on the 24th of February. Yeah. And um, just keep your eyes and ears appealed yeah, so it's for more details. Face-to-face -face event uh, at the Copper Salon restaurant in Bromley. Yeah. In the daytime. Fantastic. Mm. And that brings us to the end of another show. Buzzing out with a oh, yeah. jolly buzz.
Okay, and it's a buzz jolly <laughs> Yes, <laughs> 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 <laughs>